Um, I'm going to ask you to get vulnerable with me today. I'm going to try to be vulnerable with you and just to open some doors uh, maybe that don't often get opened in our lives um, as Christians. And um, But I want to begin uh, doing that by just uh, sharing a, uh, a story with you. When I was um, many, many years ago now, when I was working with teens, I had a young girl uh, ask to come and see me in my office, which, you know, I'm used to initiating with kids, not often... It's not usual that kids initiate with me in that kind of a conversation. And um, she she wanted to come, and she began to share about uh, her relationship with her boyfriend. And both uh, she and her boyfriend uh, came from Christian homes, uh, but you could see that there was uh, something that was really on her heart that she needed to to share. And as she she came and talked about their relationship, she began to to talk about uh, the things that had happened in that. And particularly how things have maybe gotten a little too carried away while well, they had um, in terms of their their own sexual relationship as teens and um, and as she as that happened you know they yeah they had sexual intimacy and and with that actually came pregnancy and and then with the pregnancy came all sorts of different things um, you know uh, shame. Fear, you know, where do I go? What do I do? How can I even talk to anybody about this? And just this real sense of, of isolation, that there is nowhere to go with, with this burden that I'm carrying. And so with the shame and the fear of the isolation uh, came a means and a looking for escape. And ultimately she chose to um, to have an abortion and to see this life uh, terminated. And with that whole thing, you know, comes again, there's, there's more shame and a deep sadness and just um, even greater isolation. So the good news is, is that she was um, eventually able to share that with me and with her parents. And that is good news. It was the beginning of an unfolding and of a healing in her that, that God desires for any of us that have been in that situation, and some of us have, and in many other situations where our brokenness spills out in, in all sorts of different ways and has all sorts of ramifications in the lives of other people. Um, you know, because I know that the love and the grace of Jesus has done a good work in this individual. She's happily married to, to a Christian husband. And uh, there's really good things happening in this person's life. But there are some questions that remain for me. And, uh, and i got to read these. Cause, but what about my relationship with her as a Christian leader or her parents didn't allow her to share the shame, the fear, and the truth about her situation earlier? And what had she experienced in our church culture that made her think that she didn't have any other options but to try to hide the sin and the consequences of that sin? And I want us to notice, um, you know, that my questions aren't to her. They're to me and to us. You know, because, and I'm not going to get into church bashing, but oftentimes the church can be the first, how could you do such a thing? And we just, you know, there's already a heap of guilt and shame and this, the weight of it. 
And sometimes we can get to that place where we actually just put on more and it does absolutely nothing for healing to take place. So the question actually is, is for me, what was it about my leadership? I knew this young person for, for many years before she actually came and told me that. What was it about my leadership that for some reason she wasn't able to, to be able to come and to share it? I mean, I'm glad she did eventually, but that she could have even done it before and found the support that she needed earlier on. And so I guess I want to say, you know, what are you and I saying by what we do or or even what we don't say in church, in our close relationships? And uh, because I want to take some risks today and, uh, and follow up on something that we've talked a little bit about, particularly this last Tuesday, in terms of confession. Um, and, uh, but before I go on, actually, I'd like to just show uh, a little video and it's, a, it's again, it's a, it's a confession and it's, um, and it's a little bit risky. It's a little bit on the edge in terms of normal Christian talk. So, but let's go for it together. Okay. Thanks, Alan. I guess what, what stands out to me about that, that video is, is really some of what he shares at the end. I mean, he shares about his brokenness pretty plainly, openly, which, which is actually very cool. Um, but what he, what he says there at the very end, he says, nobody actually ever talked about that in church. I had no idea that this was what it was going to do to me, that it was wrong. And, uh, and his question, isn't that what church is supposed to do? And... Uh, just this whole thing about, you know, that is, I don't know if you heard it, but as the music was coming back on, it says, it's not just to talk about goody two-shoes stuff. And uh, it's an interesting perception of what church is. But it begs the question then, if that's the perception, it might not be our intended reality, but lots of times 95% of, what is it, of perception is actually, is their reality. You know, like it's, it just becomes truth because that's how we're perceived. That we're a bunch of goody two-shoes. <laughs> and then just the fact that he couldn't actually share about, you know, the root issue. I mean, his, his mom and, and those close around him knew about the depression, knew how he was hurting himself. But actually to be able to, to release that which was causing that pain, causing him to hurt himself. It just, it just really strikes me and that even people, I think he said an elder, and I don't know if he meant an elder in his church or just somebody that was older than him. So I want to give the benefit of the doubt to the elder of the church, but that coming to the church leadership, potentially anyways, saying, oh, it's not that bad. You know, this, this desire to not engage in it because it's, it's risky having to open up. And so... Um, you might think that, oh boy, Dave's doing the sex talk today because Dave's done a few of those talks in church. Uh, but it's not a sex talk so much today as I wanted to be able to talk about freedom. Um, and I want to suggest that um, the road to freedom is found through confession. And I think uh, many people freak out at the, at the word confession because uh, all sorts of different things come up, you know. 
Um, and for me, I, I just thought I'd ask a couple of questions this morning. One of the questions is, what is the worst that can happen when we confess what's going on in our lives? Because I think a lot of things come up based on our prior experiences, you know, where we've volunteered something and it's been uh, maybe misused or just mishandled. Um, I know one of the things for me is, um, you know, people try to be helpful when really you're just trying to exhale, to, to dump, to get rid of something, when you really mostly just need a listening ear. And, and I was sharing with somebody about um, somebody whom I was working with at the time and just the recognition that um, as they were coming on to into the work that I was doing, that they are so much better than me at this. And this, uh, that sense of, um, there's a sense of vulnerability in that. There's, it's really exciting to have somebody come alongside you and they're like, man, these guys, are, this person's so far ahead of me. We're going to be able to go places that we've never gone because now we're a team. And, uh, and at the same time, there's this vulnerability is like, oh man, this person's going to show me up for my, my weaknesses, you know, that uh, why couldn't I do that, you know, that they can do. And I just remember some of the stuff, you know, everybody wanted to come for me. Hey, Dave, you did, you know, you, you, you did a good job. It's all good. You know, you don't have to be, you know. And even one person said, man, you shouldn't even think that way. And, and they were just, their, their response, they were trying to be helpful. They were trying to show appreciation. They were trying to maybe get me on a different path of thinking. But really, all I wanted people to know was just how I was feeling. <laughs> and so sometimes, you know, the way people respond to our confession or just, our brokenness and stuff can really just, it's like, why even bother? You know, and so when others start to talk about confession, that's our paradigm. That's what we think about when we even think about trying to uh, share personal things to us. And I think the other thing too is, is that oftentimes people figure that once you've shared something uh, in your life, that they need to fix it. Right? They, need to, they need to fix me so that they can feel good about my brokenness. If they can fix me, then it's, then it's all good. But, you know, as opposed to just letting it out and letting it heal. Or maybe they need to fix it because if I can fix you, then I don't have to deal with my stuff. Um, and I think, too, you know, sometimes when we think about confession, there's a lot of things that, in a sense, that we lose. It comes to my mind right now that we, in a sense, lose control. When we keep something tight, close to our own hearts, uh, we're in control of that. As soon as we let that out, we have now relinquished control to somebody else. And ultimately, we're going to talk about releasing it to Jesus and giving that control. That's a good one. But often, but we're also talking about sharing it with one another. And if we do that, we lose control. We could potentially lose uh, relationships. We could use reputations, jobs, depending on what your job is, money, therefore. I mean, there's, oftentimes there can be a lot at risk. And so, and at, at the same time then, um, you know, the question comes, what are we afraid of? Because ultimately then it's all about fear what could happen. If I lose control, then what? If I release this information, how's it going to come back on me? What's my reputation going to be? And I guess what I want to say today is where, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, freedom to share. And the Bible says in First John, it says that perfect love casts out all fear. It's talking about the love of God 
and that that casts it all fear. And so for me, when I find, when I'm starting to want to hold my cards close to my chest, when I start to hold things in as opposed to releasing them through confession, I start to ask myself now, I never used to do this before, but God is revealing this for me, is that, David, what don't you trust about the goodness of the Father? Do you really think that God's not big enough to deal with the potential consequences of your confession? Because it's based on fear. And if I have fear, that means the perfect love of the Father has not yet uh, come all the way into every aspect of my being. There's still places where I haven't let him go. And so it's a recognition then to, when that fear rises up, to press into the Father, to go after the love of God that will enable the release that ultimately we all need. And I guess when we share... You know, we're looking for some things in, in the other person. I think one of the questions that we talked a little bit about this on our last Tuesday meeting, and one of the things that came up was, you know, what if uh, others don't share when you do? And I guess I would say, say this is that one is that, you know, there is going to be a time where each of us needs to be able to take the lead in terms of confession, of, in terms of vulnerability, we see this in the Apostle Paul in many of his writings uh, to young churches and even to young, the young leader Timothy. He calls himself uh, a, first a sinner. And even as he gets older in his, and in his later writings, he talks about this. He says, you know, I'm the greatest of sinners. And I'm sure in his writing, he's, there's a whole lot wrapped up in that phrase. But I believe in terms of his personal relationships, when he was hanging out with guys like Timothy or hanging out with the churches that he was writing to, that they knew what he was talking about. There's this transparency in the Apostle Paul that, that is beautiful. And so sometimes you just need to be able to take the lead. But I think the other thing that struck me in what we read this morning is when he was writing to the Corinthian church, this young church, he said, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. So obviously, Paul's talking about um, this opportunity to share affection, to share the love that they have for one another. And he has poured out his heart of love uh, to them. But I think when we begin to think about a confession one to another, if we can think about it as a fair exchange... And so when we're getting started, because it is, it's an awkward thing for many and there's a, this fear that is behind it, well, just take a, take a first step and volunteer something that's, that's, yeah, there's vulnerability in it, but it's safe. And then see what kind of fair exchange you get back. You know, and maybe, maybe it doesn't get there, so okay, I'm going to be a little bit more vulnerable. And you share something more and then see what comes back. Because I think that's fair. You know, one person shouldn't be the only person that volunteers stuff and the other person doesn't give anything back. And I think that's what Paul, in many ways, is saying, even though it's, he's talking about love and affection towards one another, I think it's a fair exchange in terms of our, our relationships and our, our willingness to be vulnerable with one another. So that's just touching on a few of the, the worst, worst things that could happen. But there's also a great question to ask is, what, what, what could happen that would be awesome? Because right? there is a flip side to this. It's not all, <laughs> it's not all downside. 
And the scriptures are really clear on this. Here's a couple of things. Uh, in the book of James, chapter 5, it says this. He says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I think, you know, in the, in the story that I shared about this teenage girl, even in terms of this young man that shared on this, in this video, in the expression of the brokenness comes healing. Through the transparency, something changes in their lives where they're actually able to not be controlled by the issue, but they are now in control with the help of Jesus. And in 1 John chapter 1, it says this. It says, if we claim to have fellowship with God, yet walk in darkness, we lie and just don't live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, just as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And I think it's, it's really important, this idea that, you know, certainly confession enables forgiveness from God the Father. And it says further on in First John, it says, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and purify us from everything that's not right. So that's there. But it's really, I think it's really cool is that if we walk in the light as God is in the light, in other words, if we're transparent with one another, we have fellowship with one another. The relationship that each one of us longs for, and I know this in my own life, and I'm sure all of us have experienced it, the desire, the ultimate desire for our relationships is that there would be such a level of trust, such a level of intimacy, that the very deepest, darkest secrets, we could be vulnerable with at least one person, maybe two. All of us crave that. Very few of us experience it. Myself included. Because there's risk involved. We're not exactly sure how everybody's going to respond. But I think the only way that you're ever going to really learn to have that deep intimacy one to another, and, and also in terms of our relationship with God, is just to, to crack open those doors. Let some light in. What's the best that could happen? Uh, psalm chapter 51. It's a psalm that uh, David wrote. It says this, it says that he wrote it when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And if you were to fill in the gaps, he also murdered his her husband. And I just want to touch on a few things here. It's a great, read the whole psalm if you get a chance when you get home. Psalm 51. But he says this, he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions and wash all of my sin and iniquities away from me. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Do you ever get into that place where you just can't shake it? Where you've done something and it just goes over and over and over in your mind. And David's saying that, he's saying, you know, for my transgressions and my sin is always before me. One of the things that confession does is it just, it releases it. It, it takes the burden off of us. He also says this. He says in verse 8, he says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. And he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Um, I know that when 
when sin is kept in, when my brokenness is not volunteered, the joy is gone. I don't know if that's your experience, but it certainly is mine. That that the, the ability to just really enjoy life because you always have this thing in your back pocket, kind of have this thing under the rug that's always kind of niggling at you. But through the, the confession of David here, he says, there's this invitation and just this desire to see his joy restored. So he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then he says this, then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will turn back to you. I don't know if you have ever thought about this, but in terms of our own fruitfulness as a church, in terms of seeing some of the testimonies that we heard today happen more frequently, I think in many ways is tied to this idea of confession. Because he has poured out his, his confession to God already himself. And then he says this, and then I will be able to teach transgressors, people that sin, go wrong, um, transgresses your ways and sinners will turn back to you. And I think it's a real challenge for me to, to recognize that only in my vulnerability will there be fruit in my ministry, in my, and not even just in terms of my job, my ministry, but even just in my personal life. Um, I was reminded that uh, there's this, this fellow um, that wrote a book called Unchristian, and he said uh, this about young adults. He said, uh, young adults don't want anything to do with the church because of hypocrisy. Uh, it says this, like it or not, the term hypocritical has become fused with young people's experience of Christianity. 85% of outsiders and half of young churchgoers uh, say that. It's hypocrisy of the church that keeps people away. And the, only, and the easiest way to deal with that is just to be transparent to be known as a people uh, who openly confess and share things. Then that's gone. Now what are they going to say? What's, well, now what do you got? <laughs> In terms of our own evangelistic efforts, a few of us actually think about evangelism as confession. When was the last time you went to a, you know, a seminar or somebody talked about evangelism, sharing your faith with your neighbors, and they said, start with confession? I've never heard it. Maybe I could get the corner of the market, market a brochure out there somewhere. <laughs> Confession as a means of life transformation in another person's life. Um, this last week, one of uh, the boys that Lefty and I have the opportunity to coach, um, I guess it was about a week or so ago, he responded poorly uh, to one of his teachers. And because of that, uh, stirred up a little bit of trouble for his, in his own personal life. And we, uh, we had a game on Thursday of this last week. It was, I guess, maybe four or five days after this happened in his school. And, uh, and you could see he was really sad because he knew he wasn't going to be able to go with us on a weekend trip that we just did. We just went to Victoria uh, with the boys. But what was really cool is at the end of that game, thankfully we had won that game. That was fun. But he said to, the, to his teammates, he said, First, you know, I really believe in you guys. You guys, you guys can do this. You guys can win this weekend. Because he's one of our better players. Um, and I guess I should have said that he's grounded. Uh, and he's unable to travel with us this weekend because of what had happened at school. And, uh, but then what he did is he just shared, um, you know, I'm sorry that I can't go with you guys. It's something like this. I'm sorry I can't go with you guys because I made some poor decisions 
uh, in my class and the way that I interacted with my teacher. And I, I, I talked to a lot of kids over the years. There's very few kids that actually have the, the ability to articulate what it is that they've done wrong and then to actually accept responsibility for it. And for me, I, I, I'm saving this maybe for the, our, our year-end dinner, but that is the day that that boy became a man. It says this in uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. It says this, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And it's just this picture of maturity. When we speak the truth in an environment of love, we all begin to mature. Just like this boy became a man in his confession to his teammates, uh, we all have that opportunity to, to grow in our maturity. And then finally, just as I shared with you before in First John 1, where it talks about the building of relationship. And, and again, just uh, another conversation with a young man sitting across the table. And you could just see that he's really bent out of shape about something, but just, ha- just doesn't know how to articulate it. And eventually comes up with a very similar testimony to the guy on the video that we watched. And just, and for me, it was an opportunity to say, you know what, I've screwed up too. You know, there's times where I've been doing research on the computer, been looking for something for, even sometimes for a sermon and looking for images. I didn't make a PowerPoint today. And it's not just because I'm talking a lot about sex today. <laughs> but it's just about, just time. But, um, you know, you're looking for an image that, that says what you want it to say in terms of the truth. But I tell you, when you're looking for images on the computer, anything comes up under any heading. And it can be tempting to just grab a, grab a sneak peek. And this opportunity to share with this young man uh, my own brokenness enabled him to just release, to be free. And I think when we think about that verse in 1 John where it says, you know, if we confess our sins, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies us. We have the opportunity, I think, as a church to open up one to another in such a way that we can actually release others. That we can see them come to personal freedom themselves with whatever it is that they're struggling with. And I guess it's my hope. um, You heard us talk a little bit about triads. And um, we spoke about this last Tuesday. But there are some questions. We made up a little sheet that you can just kind of tuck into your Bible. And, uh, and it has a variety of questions on it. And they're, they're questions not meant to, uh, to, to control anybody or to make anybody feel bad, but to actually give opportunity, which is a very rare opportunity to actually say what is really going on in your life. And it, so, it's, so it's things like this. Tell me about your, your important relationships. You know, with whom is it going well and how is it going well and with whom are you struggling and how can you honor them? What temptations did you have to deal with this week and what will help you win that battle? What sin do you need to confess? And if your sin has affected others, how can you make it right? It's, it's opening a door for a conversation where freedom can, can come out. And I hope that as, as a church, that if we can start that at a, at a small level, when I sit across the table from you and you, you from me, 
If we can have that kind of conversation, what kind of conversations are we going to have around here? Right? I mean, I think the beautiful thing about our testimony times is that there's a fair bit of vulnerability standing in front of 120 people uh, sharing some of the stuff that is shared on the stage. But I think we will maintain that and we will enable it to grow as we begin to do it one to another in small groups of two or three. And so I just encourage us this morning to, you know, ultimately, when Jesus was heading to the cross and he was sharing supper with his friends, uh, Matthew tells us this. He says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples. Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to his friends, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. For what? For the forgiveness of sins. You know, what's the worst that can happen? We talked about that. What's the best that can happen? The slate gets wiped clean every time. In fact, just the one time that you speak to him about it and say, Jesus, will you come? That's what he sees. He sees perfection, not because we are perfect, but because Jesus is already perfect and he's taken the punishment for us and it's done. And it's a beautiful thing. I hope that we can continue to embrace it as a church community and as individuals. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm mindful that you even said to your own disciples, everything that the Father has made known to me, I've made known to you. That even you cried out on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you said to your Father, if, if there's any other way, Dad, that this can be taken care of, you know, let it be so. Let this cup pass from me. Uh, Jesus, you were so vulnerable with us, coming in the form of a baby, exposing yourself on a cross. And so we just pray that that same spirit that uh, lived in the Son could also be ours. That we could say truly as individuals and as a church that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Uh, freedom from anything that would hold us back, including our brokenness and our sin. Father, I pray that you would restore uh, to us in the broken places uh, the joy of the salvation of Jesus. Father, even this morning, for those that have been carrying something and just have been unable to unload it, Jesus, that you would um, just work in their hearts right now. And even as I would encourage you to, to find somebody that you, you trust to begin a journey uh, where you can be vulnerable one to another, both about the good things as well as uh, the broken pieces of our lives. But let's just take a moment now just to even bring before Jesus because as we read this morning again, uh, he is faithful and just and will forgive us any sin. He'll purify us from anything that's not right. Let's bring it before him this morning. And so Father, I thank you that you're a good dad. I thank you that even in, in our brokenness that you are just, uh, you're compassionate, that you're good, that you remove those things that are broken in our lives as far as the east is from the west. Uh, so far have you moved uh, those things, uh, our brokenness and our sin away from us. And so I pray that you help us to live into that truth, Jesus. To live in the truth of your grace. And even as we sang this morning, Father, that um, it was an all-sufficient sacrifice. 
What you did on the cross paid for everything. So I pray that it would break that chain. Break the chains that that hold us back from living in your grace and your love. And uh, just form us as a church body um, to be vulnerable, to be open. And that would be uh, a witness to the world of the good work that you've done in us. I pray you'd help me to do it. I pray that you'd help us to do it as a church family. And I pray this in your name. Amen.